Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, referee John McCarthy has called a stop to this contest at three minutes, four seconds of round number two. Declaring the winner by knockout and undisputed USC lightweight champion of the world, the notorious Connor McGregor. for the majority decision coming to you live from the great state of Texas right here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your host, Greg. The Truth, the co-host of this show is the Black Belt, Mr. Fayaz. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank everybody for downloading. We want to invite you to follow us on Twitter at MajorityMMA. Like us on Facebook, The Majority Decision. And if you can, Head over to wherever it is, whatever app, whatever forum that you use to listen to podcasts. Give us a quick subscribe so that way every time we have a new show, it will be downloaded right to your listening device of choice. If you want to give us a call, 929-477-1077. We are live currently right now. You want to get in, we're going to talk about, of course, all the happenings of UFC 205. What's next for Conor McGregor? What's next for a lot of the people on that card? There was a lot of great fights. And top to bottom, I got to say, it was probably one of the, certainly one of the most solid cards that we've had in a while. It had a little bit of everything. It had star power. It had championship fights. It had the mystique of Madison Square Garden. It was a great show. Um, Good for New York. Give you a hard time because you're 10, 12 years too late to the party, but you finally made it. You delivered 20,000 strong in the garden. Dropped a gate of about $17.7 million. The UFC is big business, people. $4.2 billion, somewhere in that range is what it was sold for. UFC is without question big business. Is it mainstream? No, it's not mainstream. It's still niche. It's still niche, but it's still growing. You know, it's kind of been one of the questions over the past couple of years that a lot of people have asked us. Can the UFC continue to grow? And what does that growth look like? They've got a solid global presence. They're in other countries, performing shows, holding events in other countries regularly. They're on Fox here in the States, Fox Sports, pay-per-view, video games, their own streaming network. What can the UFC do to get bigger? 
how else can they expand? They sold for, like I said, $4 billion or however much it was. And now apparently you've got owners like Mark Wahlberg and 50 Cent and Rihanna and a lot of different people that have a little bit of a stake in that company. And my biggest fear is always this, is that it will go the way of boxing. And I'm not going to say that it's headed down that road right now. It doesn't seem like it is, but it's still possible. It's still possible. And there are things that the UFC needs to work on. I think, obviously, the main glaring thing that everybody points to is the Reebok deal. It's terrible. It's terrible for the fighters. When you had a guy just a few years ago, or just a a year ago, maybe a little bit more than a year ago, because I'd have to look at his fights, which I don't know off the top of my head. Obviously, Conor McGregor is the top star. Right now, he is for sure, without question. There's no question. There's probably, there probably hasn't been a question in nine months for certain, or at least since Ronda Rousey fought last. But think about it like this. Conor McGregor, under the Reebok deal, as early as his interim title fight, with Chad Mendez, if that wouldn't have been a title fight in which he got $40,000 in sponsorship money, he would have got like $5,000. Maybe ten at the most. A guy like Conor McGregor getting $10,000, let's just call it ten. Let's call it twenty. Let's call it what it was, forty. The most marketable, popular guy in all of mixed martial arts, and the most that this guy can get in sponsorship for a fight is $40,000, then I know what you might be saying. Hey, the guy's making well, well over a million, probably somewhere from between 5 to $10 million per fight. But at the same time, everybody's got to see, the UFC's got to see this isn't a good deal for the fighters. Um, whether you like the look or not, I, I could care less how it looks. I'm used to it by now. I'm used to the fact that they don't have the the big maps in the background anymore. Though I did like that, and I hated to see it go. But I mainly don't like challenge. I don't like change. So anytime there's change, um, I don't like it. But uh, So what does the UFC got to do to take it to the next level? Is one superstar like Conor McGregor enough? You know, and I know a lot of people don't like to compare mixed martial arts to professional wrestling. But when the World Wrestling Federation was on top in the late 90s and early 2000s and they were making money hand over fist with a Texan, with a fellow Texan named Stone Cold Steve Austin leading that ship, being its top star, There's a lot of similarities in the Steve Austin character and the Conor McGregor character. Brash, do what you want to do, say what you want to say, however you want to do. And I think feeds right into that 18 to 34 male demographic, which is what 
most, which is probably the highest range or the most, how can I put it? I'm, I'm, I'm mixing my words up here. 18 to 34 is the key demographic for the UFC, just like it was back then in professional wrestling. And MMA is doing, in a sense, what wrestling did in the late 90s in terms of presenting this larger-than-life character like Conor McGregor, brash, arrogant, cocky. And if you think about it on paper, it's like he should be the bad guy. He should be the heel right? But he's not. People love this guy. And most of you know, listen to the show, I'm not a McNugget like a lot of people are. I don't think the guy walks on water. I still think he's beatable in spite of the outcome of last night's fight. And say, oh, well, everybody's beatable. Well, that's not what I mean. He's presenting himself as unbeatable. In a way, the UFC is presenting himself as unbeatable. They did the same thing with Anderson Silva. But the guy just hasn't met someone, I think. And it was the same with Anderson Silva for about two or three years, really until he ran into Chel Sonnen. And you can say what you want to say about Chel Sonnen and failed drug tests and whatever. But I'm talking about a skill set, a specific skill set, and that skill set is top-notch, A-plus wrestling. And don't tell me Chad Mendez. Don't tell me Chad Mendez on five days' notice literally put down the beer, got off the couch, and went to the cage. That doesn't count. And all the McNuggets out there might say that it does, but it, it, does, it just doesn't. I'm sorry. The guy didn't prepare for the fight. Well, I want to bring on the black belt, Mr. Fayaz, who has to, uh, I have to, uh, you know, we don't talk about ourselves. This show is not about us. But I have to give a congratulations <laughs> to, my, to my man right here because today he leveled up and he is now a purple belt in the world of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Fayaz, congratulations. Man, I appreciate that. I appreciate you making that announcement, and uh, I am super excited. I was like a big kid getting that purple belt, and it was uh, it was it, you know the journey continues obviously, but uh, that one was a long time coming, and that, it's it's truly a martial art where you have to work as hard as you possibly can, you know, to achieve that highest goal, man. It just it never ends. It's always evolving. It's and it just keeps getting better and better. Just to clear one thing up before any listeners or new listeners might get confused, I call him the black belt because he is a black belt, just not a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He's on his way to the black belt in jiu-jitsu. But you are, if I'm right, a multiple-degree black belt in, what would they say, American freestyle karate? Is that what what it is? That's what they call it, American freestyle. Yeah, American freestyle karate or American freestyle martial arts, whatever you want to call it. We kind of do a little bit of everything. We punch in, we kick, we grapple. But uh, so I always did a little bit of grappling, you know, in the over 20 years that I've been doing that. But it was, uh, you know, six, seven years ago I started on a, uh, you know, a side journey to really focus on the grappling arts. And it's uh, it's it's one that 
I'll do for the rest of my life, along with punching and kicking. I love it. <laughs> I love it all. Can't give it up, man. I love it all. Well, definitely congratulations goes out to you, man, from uh, the majority decision world. And uh, good to hear that all the hard work pays off. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Couldn't have done it with, uh, you know, not to help all my training partners. You know, at one point, uh, you also trained with me. And, uh, you know, at one point I had the uh, pleasure of, uh, you know, teaching your son. So uh, it was a, uh, you know, all of that plays a part in my journey and uh, helps me get to where I am. Yeah, absolutely. And if you and if you're listening to the show and you live in the Dallas area, uh, the, the group of guys that Fayez trains with is a great group of guys. And uh, you know, if you're looking for a place to train, you definitely want to uh, check out uh, John Ryan and, and and what he's doing down there. He's a, he's a good guy, stand-up guy, and a uh, a very good good team. Definitely. Well, let's get back into it, man. I was uh, kind of just trailing off and talking about a few random things that have to do with uh, the majority decision or the UFC, excuse me. Let's go right into uh, UFC 205. Let's go right into the main event now that we got you on. Uh, by now, everybody knows Conor McGregor made history. He became the first ever dual weight class division or weight class champion in the history of the UFC and um, right off the bat I got to tell you when Conor McGregor said that uh, Eddie Alvarez did not belong with him in the cage after that fight I can't argue that point I cannot argue against that yeah definitely he he showed yesterday and uh, you know I'll, I'll be the first one to admit man I couldn't pick the fight remember I thought Eddie Alvarez was going to give him more trouble than that. But uh, I couldn't believe how he just dismantled Eddie Alvarez as, you know, as easily as he did. It was, it was kind of shocking to me, actually. But uh, nonetheless, it was uh, technical destruction, and I enjoyed every bit of it. Well, he- no one's ever accused Eddie Alvarez of being a super technical fighter, um, but he's a tough guy, and he's a brawler. He's a good wrestler, and he doesn't quit. Doesn't have any quit in him. Right. Stamina is never an issue with this guy. Champion multiple companies. Champion in the UFC. After he got knocked down the first time with a precision laser left hand delivered by Conor McGregor. He looked like he looked lost to me. He he didn't have any head movement. He looked flat-footed. He was circling to Conor McGregor's left, and it just looked like I don't know, man. It, it looked like he was. It looked like he threw the fight to me. I know that's not what happened, but. How can you how can you have such a terrible terrible game plan? You know the guy's left hand is the danger, and you're circling towards it. Come on, man, give me a break. Yep. What are you doing? Right. Am yeah, I wrong? Well, Am I he wrong? actually. You you know what? He actually made mention of that. He was interviewed afterwards, and he said, "I just totally veered off the game plan." He goes, "Boxing 
was not my intention. Box to box with him wasn't my intention. And he even went on to say it's obvious that he has been boxing for years. Is that true? Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. Is that true? I don't, I don't think it is. No. I don't I don't I don't think that's true, but to Eddie Alvarez his skill was so good, Eddie Alvarez thought I guess he'd been boxing for years. Now on the <laughs> other hand though well, that's that's what I'm reading there. But you know, if you if you were to look at Eddie Alvarez's face when he was backstage doing that interview, he he could have still been you know half in half out. However, he did say you know we didn't follow the game plan. We did, but I think even if he would have implemented his wrestling, I don't see him getting it done. Not after watching him. Not after taking one shot. And he was so shocked after he took that one shot. He even said it, man. I took that shot, and he goes, I, I just was so surprised. I didn't even see the punch. What did he hit me with? And uh, it was it was precision. It was it was just it was just precision. And then if if you notice something, Connor learned something from his first fight with Nate Diaz. He didn't pounce right away on Eddie Alvarez. He slowly, slowly picked him apart, and then. The combination he puts him with that puts him away with at the end, he hits him with four punches. Most people who throw a four or five punch combo, maybe three of them connect, two of them connect. He hit him with every single punch and even adjusted the fourth punch, which was his right hand, to clip him again as he was falling. It was, uh, that's that's precision and that's beautiful timing. You got to give it to him for that. If even if yeah, you hate no, the guy, you got to respect him for that. Yeah, and and I was I was actually at that point that you brought up about Connor being a little patient. I I, I was talking about that to uh, one of my one of my friends uh, who listens to the show this morning, and that's one of the points that I brought up was he knocked him down and he didn't just go in swinging. You know, he didn't burn his arms up. He was patient. And even though he did a tremendous job of cutting the cage off, I still felt like he let he let the fight come to him. He still fought, for the most part, a, a counter kind of a fight game like he did. And he did. Eddie Alvarez just had no answer for it. Yeah. I mean, that's the truth. Now, Connor did walk forward, and he did come, but... It's. Uh, I almost think that he's one of those guys who you know let somebody you know hit him a couple of times just to kind of see where he's at, that type of deal, just so he can talk to him and get in their head. When you know if it doesn't affect him, I don't know if he, every time you know it's just it was kind of the same thing. You know every time somebody hit him, he would you know every time Eddie hit him, he would just kind of look at him, shake his head, and go nope. He would talk to him. You know, Eddie tried to time him up a couple of times. I mean, it just it just wasn't there, man. And after he got clipped that first time, I think uh, you know, as as the as the old saying goes, right? Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. Yeah, no question about it. Um, so. You know, moving forward with this, obviously Eddie Alvarez just goes back to the drawing board. I imagine he'll hover around the top five, six, you know, until he gets ready to hang it up. But for Conor McGregor, 
I mean, what do you do next with this guy? I mean, he's got two belts. Obviously, my assumption he's given up the featherweight belt. But now he's talking welterweight title. I mean, from the <laughs> UFC's point of view, but here's the thing, and I know that's, that kind of makes me laugh too. Do I think there's some guys that he can beat at welterweight? Yes. But um, uh, does he have a future in the welterweight division? I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, yeah. But at this point, the guy's so popular. The guy's bringing in so much money for the company. How can you not continue to just try to cash the lottery ticket and say, okay, you want to fight at welterweight? There you go. Let's fight at welterweight. Sure. Tyron Woodley, come on. I mean, yeah, but I, I don't like it. But I'm, I mean, how could you not do it? You're right. You're right. So let's cash the ticket. Let's make the money. I don't think he's serious about fighting at uh, welterweight. I just don't believe it. I don't think he is. I think he's just talking. I know. I know you probably may or may not. Did you watch the press conference? No, I haven't got to catch it yet. Uh, clips of okay. it, bits and pieces, but not the, the whole pre- thing. Yeah, watch the press conference. You'll kind of see. You know, I'll break. You know, something to you. You, you know, he he he's having a baby, um, mm-hmm. and uh, he says it's kind of freaking him out. But you know, now that that's coming along, you know, there's got to be more. There's got to be more for him. You know, he, you know, he's he he's like, there's so many owners to the company now. He goes, he goes, I, I want a piece of it. I want, I want to, you know, I want an equity piece of it. He goes, I'm here to fight, but you know, there's, you know, not now there's more at stake, and you know, I've I've got to look, you know, I've got to look for more. So. He goes, uh, the new owners of the company haven't come to talk to me yet. He goes, and I don't even know who really owns it. And and he just, you know, he, he I could kind of see where he was coming from, but at the same time, you know, he wants, uh, and you know, he, he's trying to set his future up. I I can see where he's kind of going with that too. No, I don't I don't blame him. Um, I, you know, I don't blame him for position. You know, he's in the position that he's in because the guy works hard because he's a tireless self promoter and. Um, you know, at this point, between himself and the UFC pushing him, you know, he deserves what he has, and and he definitely deserves to to renegotiate if that's if that's the deal. You know, if the contract's up, renegotiate, man, get your money while you can. Um, yeah, I definitely absolutely. agree with that. Absolutely. But as far absolutely. as ownership goes, this guy can't. No, he can't have ownership in the company. That that's. That for me is a uh, well. Here's here's what he meant by that. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But I think here's what he meant by that. The uh, he's like, man, Conan O'Brien has ownership in the company. You know, there's there's actually a list of celebrities who've got a small percentage of the UFC, and I think that's what he was talking about. You know, where's mine? You know, I want I I want in on that percentage. You know, how can I get you know how can I get some of that action? That's you know. But you're right. I think there is a conflict of interest there, but you know Bernard Hopkins does it. I think he has his own promotional company, and he still boxes and puts his uh, logo on his shorts or on his back every time he gets in the ring. So, um, I guess uh, you know maybe there is a way to do it. You know, without there being, I guess, such a conflict of interest. 
before we move on to uh, a couple of the other fights, it was time's winding down on us. Uh, I just want to point out that the walk that Conor McGregor does where he flails his arms around, um, <laughs> that's a blatant ripoff of Vince McMahon. <laughs> Only wrestling fans would know that. Google Vince right. McMahon on YouTube uh, mid-2000s, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. That's a blatant ripoff of Vince McMahon. I'll, you know no what? I'll t- I tell you I tell you what, man, Conor McGregor, you know, for everything that he is, that guy is a a man who truly believes in himself, right? With or without selling himself and selling the fight, right? He's a true believer in himself. He just is. I mean, he's just one of those people, right? And and you you gotta you gotta get on board with that. You know, I think that's why he reaches out to so many people. You know, when he's selling the fight, though. You know, and this goes out to anybody, whether you love him or hate him. Don't think for one second he doesn't study guys like Muhammad Ali and Gorgeous George and guys who are just great talkers, you know, in whatever their industry was. And, and you know, try to mimic some of that. Don't, don't think that, uh, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't try to sell a character, you know, just so he can put butts in the seats. And that's... Uh, that's how you bring the money in when you're an entertainer. Yeah, no doubt about it. So Even the, when you're a the welterweight fight, yeah, yeah, no question. No question, because it, it, like I've said before, and I'll say it again, and I'll continue to say it, it's entertainment first and sports second. That's why he is on top of the world, because he's got the sport down, obviously, but he's also got the entertainment side of it down as well. Right. Right. It's uh yeah. So Tyron Woodley and Steven Thompson ends up in a majority draw because of the ten eight. No ten eight in that fourth round or third. Sorry if I can't remember. And uh maybe Steven Thompson is the new champion. Yeah. You know what? I thought Thompson won it three to two. And I'm 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 tired of the inconsistency with the ten eights, right? If you're gonna call it a ten eight, then uh, Dan Henderson uh should be the uh, middleweight champ right now. Am I wrong? If if we're gonna if we're yeah, he would have at least right? at least yeah. two ten eights in that fight. Right, right, right. If you if you right, because if you look at the end of the so called ten eight round, you know, one boy actually ended up on top. You know, in a, yep. in a better position. So, was it really a ten-eight round? You know, now if you ever seen Frank Yeager fight Gray Maynard, the first fight, that fight, that was a ten-eight round. So you could have called that a ten-seven round. But I mean, there's so much inconsistency with the scoring and the ten-eights and in the ten. You know, it's it's wacky. You know, Tyron Woodley kept his belt. They have to do a rematch. I think Wonder Boy beats him next time. I just, I just think he does. Stephen Tom, I mean, excuse me. Uh, um, Woodley cannot spend the entire fight with his back against the cage and expect to out uh, and expect to win. Not against a guy right. like like Stephen Thompson. I, I just couldn't believe how many times he just got caught with his back against the cage. Ridiculous. And, and, it, yeah. and it didn't even feel to me so much that Thompson was really just closing him off. 
Woodley just gravitated to the cage. And uh, yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I would agree with you. I think if they do it again, Thompson Thompson can Thompson's gonna walk out with the belt. Definitely, definitely. It was a draw. They have to do it again. Joanna Jerzyk did what she does, and that's beat people up. Um, not much to she say did there. Well. She did good. I expected I think a little Carolina, bit more out of Carolina. Yeah, and but and we didn't get more. it till. Well, we didn't get it till the last two rounds. I think if she would have gotten over the fact that Joanna was her idol in the first three yeah. rounds, you know, I think what she had there was kind of a uh, George St. Pierre, Matt Hughes situation the first time. You know, where, you know, you give your idol that much respect and then you realize later, oh, wait, I'm here to win this fight. and But it's too little too late. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was a good fight. Joanna's another person that they got, they're going to figure out what are they going to do with her. She's beat yeah. all the top contenders in her division. So they're going to have to find somebody for her to fight. Yeah, they'll pull somebody out of the Invicta for they have to. They don't have a choice. Well, we're out of time. We still have more to talk about UFC 205. We might get back with everybody on Friday and finish up the card. It was a great card. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great week.